that's, that's where we're going today. That's what we're laying into today. As I'm over there just listening and singing, that's what I'm hearing. It's just God's word. It, it's so good to be together today. <clears throat> if you have your Bible, you can turn with me to Acts chapter 2. That's where we'll be hanging out. It's Acts chapter 2 uh, this morning. And in Acts uh, chapter 2, we're going to finish it up. Well, last week we started it. Um, we looked at the, the coming of the Holy Spirit. But let me bring you up to speed. This year, we're talking about our story. And I don't mean just me and you. I mean our story, the story of the church, the story that comes under the banner of Jesus Christ our, and, our, and our God, our Father, that has been in, in written throughout history that's been on the pages of our lives before our lives had pages that's what we're talking about and and when we look back to acts chapter one we see that jesus says to his disciples and therefore to us as well who follow him as disciples today he says you'll be my witnesses when the spirit comes upon you the spirit of power will cause you to witness in jerusalem judea samaria and to the ends of the earth and if you read the book of acts which i would encourage you as we walk through it this year to do so you will see something pretty amazing. The first few chapters in Acts all happen in Jerusalem. And then you have the next section of Acts, starting about in chapter 8, that happen in Judea and Samaria. And then you have the rest of the book of Acts, somewhere around chapter 13, where you start seeing the mission go to the ends of the earth. The book of Acts is laid out exemplifying the command of Jesus Christ, almost like it was inspired by the one who gave the command. Amen? And, and listen, as we talk through this today, last week we talked about um, how the Holy Spirit came upon God's people and gave them a message. In the same way, we know that when we submit to Jesus Christ as Lord and Savior, that same Spirit, that Spirit of power resides on us as God's people. Throughout the book of Acts, we're going to hear some of the most incredible stories, but, but to me, you're going to hear some of the best sermons that have ever been preached. Not because I'm preaching a sermon. But there are sermons given by Peter and Paul through the book of Acts, recorded in history, where the Holy Spirit speaks so clearly and so powerfully, it would, it would be just to simply repeat the words for you this morning. That's how potent these are. And to me, this is the first one that we read starting in verse 22 of chapter 2. Now, now I want you to know something as we talk about this. What we're looking at today is how we witness and what witness with power looks like. Now, I want you to know there's nothing I desire more in my life than to see the Holy Spirit move with power and bring revival to our area and to our country. I, I'm, I'm a little selfish, I'll be honest. I, I know the Holy Spirit's bringing revival in places like China in the Middle East. I, I don't get to see it, I only get to hear about it. And there's, there's a selfish part of me as a believer that says, Lord, I want to see revival happen. I want to see life come. I've read about the great revivals in history. I've read about the revivals that's going on around the world. And I want to taste it now so badly that it's distracting. And listen, as we have gone through this season of focusing on, on government and, and rights and freedom, I want you to know something about me. I'm not saying that it's perfect, but you just need to know me. 
I am not overly engaged in politics. It doesn't mean if you are, something's wrong. I pray for our leaders, our politicians, our police officers. I pray regularly God's grace and favor be upon them and God's direction be upon their heart, whether they follow him or not. I believe that in our country we have unique opportunities to speak up in ways that are doors that are open. But here's what I know. There is no name but Jesus that will bring revival. Like there's not. We can have the best utopian society imaginable and it will only be a better place for people to go to hell from. Like that's at the end of the day what we, what we aim for. And so in my heart and in my life, I, I just believe it. If we exemplify submission and joy to Jesus and we help others hear the good news, that when Jesus really takes control, when the spirit of power really takes hold of someone's life, then they will change and their sinful actions towards others of a different color or a different class will change. I believe wholeheartedly when someone knows Jesus, that they become good stewards of their finances because they go before him. I believe wholeheartedly when a husband submits to Jesus, he stops abusing the joy of his wife. Church, this is just my perspective. And it's why I think we need to know our story so badly today. But because if we lift up any plan, any name, but Jesus first... If, if Jesus falls underneath our hopes and dreams for our children, if he falls underneath our hopes and dreams for our country, if he falls underneath our hopes and dreams for our personal future, then we have turned Jesus into a servant of our sin. In church, Jesus is so much more than that. And revival will never come when we make God Almighty into a puppet for fallen man and Peter lived that Peter testified to it so I want to do this let's just look at Peter's sermon today let's let the words fall upon us and I want you to see that you and I have the same spirit the same Holy Spirit of God that rests upon us as his children as Peter did that day now here's before we say a word of chapter verse 22 of chapter 2 I want you to go all the way back up to verse 13 it says but others mocking said they are filled with new wine now, now catch this. This is what happened. If you wouldn't, weren't with us last week or you've forgotten what happened. The Holy Spirit came upon disciples who were in the right place at the right time to get the best view of what God is doing. They were living in obedience to the Spirit. In obedience to the Spirit. They're following God's will and the Holy Spirit does exactly what Jesus promises. It falls upon them and empowers them to give the testimony of Jesus Christ and does something miraculous. He opens the ears of those who do not know him. And everybody receiving this is in awe because the life of these believers is so radically different 
than anything they've ever seen. But that doesn't mean everybody thought it was great. Some people were in awe and some people started to mock even as they experienced the miracle. Church, what is going on and how the people of this world treat you has no impact on the power of the Spirit coming forth in your life. None. They're simply a distraction, but I'm telling you, their attention is captured when the people of God are following the Spirit to the best place at the best time to get the best view of what God is doing. And so when Peter is in the best spot, in the best place, here's what he says. And this is encouragement for us. Verse 22, he says, Men of Israel, hear these words. Jesus of Nazareth, a man attested to you by God with mighty works and wonders and signs that God did through him in your midst as you yourselves know. You see, the first thing he does as he witnesses is he, he makes sure everybody knows who he's talking about. Who is Jesus? Listen, we are not living in a season where the church is the civic center of the community. As we were going around to the football fields and the dad's club this week, there are places of worship that are all over this, this world, all over this community. And you and I cannot believe or cannot assume that people know who Jesus is. We have to walk outside of our bubble. We have to be willing to say, you want to know what's crazy? The power that you're witnessing in me, that you're mocking or that you're accepting. It's because of a man named Jesus. You see, the Bible said it was Jesus of Nazareth. This was kind of his known name among the regular folks. You were known by where you were from. Jesus of Nazareth what he says is first of all who I'm talking about is a real person I'm not talking about mysticism I'm not talking about some pretend gods I'm not talking about someone who has never lived let's start the thing and let's start it here when you and I tell people about Jesus we have to let them know that he was real and is real and he says let me tell you this Jesus of Nazareth who was among you was a man attested to you by the mighty works and wonders and signs that God did through him in your midst, as you yourselves know. You see, Jesus was a contemporary of these people. They, they, if they didn't see his miracles, they had heard about him firsthand from a friend. They were aware that what happened through him and to him, even the rumblings of the empty tomb, all of those things were testified to by someone that they knew and trusted, whether they chose to receive it or not. You see, we have to start with telling people, I'm here as a servant of Jesus. The second thing we have to let people know is, who is getting the credit? Who I'm talking about is not telling you to depend on my testimony, but on the testimony of God Almighty. You see, what, what Peter says is, a man attested to you, validated, lifted up by God. Church, if you and I in our daily lives take all the credit for everything good that God does, 
Do we have the testimony to say to, to anyone around us, this Jesus, a man who's done all these mighty works as attested to by, by God? You see, somewhere along the way, we can have something sown into us, this pride of life. This pride of life that attributes certain things to hard work. That attributes certain things to luck. That attributes certain things to happenstance. Or just the way I am. When you and I attribute the things of God to broken, fallen people, we are not testimony, we're not testifying to God. The Bible says every good and perfect gift comes down from the Father of lights. That doesn't mean that hard work doesn't honor God, but your hard work is done under the banner of God. That doesn't mean that, that marriages happen just because you've read every psychology book and read every love language and you're practicing them all equally. You're not wealthy because you're so fancy and so, so brilliant of mind. You're not hurting simply because what, what scripture says is, will you give God glory for what he has done through Jesus Christ? Because you know it's not you. Because there are men and women just as smart as you that are living homeless lives right now. There are people around you who are working just as hard at their marriage as you are, and they're struggling. There are people that are just as gifted athletically as you are, and they aren't le living life of luxury in the NFL. You, we have to really pull the spotlight off of ourselves, because the testimony that is given to us is the one that God says, this is my son in whom I'm well pleased. When you share Christ, the good news with someone, are you pointing at Jesus through you? Or are you letting your life reflect Jesus in you? You see, a broken glass shines light in too many places. And Peter knows this. And then he says something amazing in verse 23 and verse 24. This Jesus delivered up according to the definite plan and the foreknowledge of God, who, cru who you crucified and killed by the hands of lawless men. God raised him up, loosening the pains of death. And because it was not possible, because it was not possible for him to be held by it. You see, people need to know who is Jesus. And our life can point to, so to speak. But we have to say, really, it's not about me looking your way. It's about what you see in me. But then what's his story? If that's who he is, what is his story? Well, he was a real person. But he's a real person that was offered up as a sacrifice by the plan of God. Church, do we give God enough credit for the cross? We are, we are fantastic of giving God credit for some extraordinary positive things in our life. That's where this prosperity gospel comes from. But, but do we give God credit for the hard times? Jesus dying on the cross was God's plan from day one. And he delivered him up into the hands of wicked men. And what Peter says is to this group who didn't okay it necessarily, 
who you offered up, who you crucified and killed through wicked men. Church, are we clear enough when we talk about Scripture that the cross, the difficult times that Jesus experienced were God's plan, but the difficult things he experienced were because of the sin of man? Do we share that truth? Or do we just say to people, you're having a hard day. Let me tell you, Jesus can make it better. All you have to do is, is ask him to rescue you. Listen, if you and I are telling the gospel, and it's simply a salvific gospel that contains no sovereignty, no deity, no lordship, no submission, no confession of sin, then we are leading people to hell with smile on their faces. Because when their crisis is over, Jesus is not needed because their Savior has done his job. He can fly off and take care of someone else now. That is not salvation. Church, we must be willing to share the good news that my sin, that I crucified Jesus Christ and it was a part of God's plan to let me do it. Because no matter what I tried, my plans can cause the crucifixion to be cheered on, but they cannot cause Jesus to be defeated. We process that when I accept the reality that God is sovereign over all and he turned Jesus over to me and my sin and my sin crucified him on the cross and as much as I deserved it as much as I owned it as much as my sin brought me to that place my sin was insufficient to overcome God's plan that Jesus Christ would not taste death He was not abandoned to the grave. Do you believe that? I mean, check, this is life changing. If I know that my sin in God's plan is insufficient to overcome His plan, you know what that means? That means when life is good, when I'm speaking of a worldly utopia where everybody gets along, when I'm speaking of a, of a worldly utopia where everybody has the income they need, exactly the same, when I'm speaking of a worldly utopia where I can force the mean and the angry to be sidelined because my utopia is this, here's what it means. It means when we're speaking the filth of less than God's best, it will not keep God's best from coming to be. If you were worried about the last election, or maybe you're worried about this election, if you believe that your sin under God's plan took Jesus to the cross, and your worst couldn't cause death to win over God's plan if you believe that here's what I want you to know it doesn't matter who's in charge in this country in this community or in your home because they are insufficient to thwart the plan of God church if your marriage is killing it 
God gets all the glory because your best efforts are insufficient to thwart the plan of God for your marriage. If, you're, if your life is, is difficult, if, if death is reigning in you and you're, and you're struggling with that, here's what I want you to know when you ask why. Your concerns, your questions, your feelings are insufficient to thwart God's plan for your life. If you are grieving, there is joy in this moment. If you are happy, there is pride in the moment that God's story is the banner over mine. So I will have joy in my grieving and I will be joyful in my celebrations because I am insufficient to thwart the plans of God. Here's what that means. No matter where you've been, no matter what you've done, no matter how many great your list of sins are, if you will accept the reality that they were your very worst to bury the Savior of the world and they were insufficient to do so, then guess what? Hope lives here. But church, if we just preach Jesus as Savior of your moment, then we never preach salvation from the God of all things. And this is what Paul, Peter keeps saying. Holy mackerel, this is what the Bible says. Verse 25. For David says concerning him, I saw the Lord always right before me. And he said, this is my, take my right hand, for I may not be shaken. Therefore, my heart was glad and my tongue rejoiced and my flesh will dwell in hope. For you will not abandon my soul to Hades. You or let your holy one see corruption. You have made known to me the paths of lives. You will make me full of gladness, but with your presence. Brothers, verse 29, I may say to you with confidence about the patriarch David, the best there ever was, the best there ever could be. This is the most incredible life could be. All of Jerusalem, all of Israel is pointing back to David saying, when can we live in that time again? When can we live in the best of the past? When can can we go back to the good old days? When can we, can we have what, what I have seen others have? Church, no eye has seen, no mind can conceive of what God has in store for those whom he loves. So listen, what Peter is saying is, if you look back to the past and you want it, you've missed it. The past simply points to what's better. It points to the future. He says it this way. David is dead, verse 29. He has died and is buried, and his tomb is with us to this day. Therefore, being a prophet and knowing that God has sworn an oath to him that he would set one of his descendants on the throne, he foresaw and spoke about the resurrection of the Christ, and he was not abandoned to Hades, and he did not see to corruption. Listen, everyone knew that example. And he said, the best of the best was just a shadow of what's to come. Church, Omar and Jim and I were running around this week making the kids' video. And one of the places that we went, a gentleman came up kind of checking us out, three guys, video cameras in places where like families and parks go, totally okay with him checking us out. I'm wearing my first Baptist church stuff. I want to make sure they know we, we are here in peace. And he comes up, and the second I say, oh, we're with the church, it was like, hey, everything's good. Hey, God bless you. Have a good day. And I said, man, listen, we're setting a few things up. And I said, 
So do you go to church somewhere? I mean, the church, I don't, wouldn't normally say that, but do you go to church somewhere since the church thing subsided? I just expected, yes, I go to Sagemont or New Hope, or I, I, go, I go down the road to Shady Crest or wherever. I just expected that. And he said, yep, I go to church here, right here, every week. I said, really? I said, are you a Christ follower? Have you given your life to, to Jesus Christ? Said, yes. And then he said something powerful. He said, I figure if I can do as much as I can do for this community, it has to be enough to open the pearly gates. The best of our best is a shadow that falls short of eternity. Whether it's King David or a dream for our community or a hope for our children church when you testify it doesn't have to be about your story it just has to be about his but the best of the best was insufficient because anything that is good in this world reflects what is to come that's why God made it the promised land was not the end of the journey. It was one pointing to a greater journey. When you testify, are you pointing to what's better than the mind can imagine and the eye can see? Or are you stuck in the past? Peter goes on and he says something crazy. Verse 32, this Jesus God raised up and we are all witnesses, being therefore exalted at the right hand of God, having received from the Father the promise of the Holy Spirit. He's poured out on this that you yourselves are seeing and hearing. For David did not ascend to the heavens, but he himself says, The Lord said to my Lord, sit at my right hand until I make your enemies a footstool. Verse 36, this is the part we don't ever like to hear, but Peter reiterates it twice. He says, let all the house of Israel know. In other words, he says, hey, listen, if I'm talking to you, hear this. For certain, if you walk away knowing anything else that I'm going to tell you today, it's not anything about me. It's not about how good I am. It's not about my story. It's not so you can have a cool conversation later on. Peter says, if you want to know anything else, check this out. He says, I want you to know for certain that God has made him both Lord and Christ, both sovereign and Savior. This Jesus whom your sin tried to destroy. You see, without repentance, without conviction of sin, we're just promoting a Savior for the moment. And we can do that because we can picture it in our life. Because let's be honest, outside of Jesus, isn't that all you've ever experienced? Is a savior for the moment? Isn't that all you've ever known? Outside of Jesus, hasn't the very best in your life only been a savior for the moment? Only been a marriage healer for the moment? Only been a child protector for the moment? 
our stories could fill this room about children in peril and our, our children who are struggling, about marriages that are wrestling, about lives that are, that are hard. And we come to Jesus and he took us through the moment. But we don't promote a miracle for the moment. We promote the Savior of all time because he is sovereign. Because it was his plan. And my sin couldn't wreck it. And my best couldn't come close. So what do we do? As Omar said, we are simply to be faithful. You and I don't save anybody. When you go to heaven and you go, God, I saved eight for you just before I died. God's going to go, you're talking about the wrong Savior. You didn't do anything. We have one Savior. His name is Jesus. And so when and if you have the privilege of living obedient to Christ and the power of His Spirit, and He allows you to open your mouth and speak the story of God, and someone responds as they did in verse 37. Cut to the heart brothers what do we do what do we do Peter says it's easy repent be baptized connect your life with the name of Jesus for the forgiveness of sins receive the gift of the Holy Spirit for the promises for you for your children and for all for all who are far off and on that day revival went wild do you know this Jesus who is both sovereign and savior if you do not repent turn your back on what you've been trying because it's insufficient and submit to your sovereign and accept the hand of your savior and you will be saved but you will receive the guide the power of the spirit to lead you in life my prayer this week for the saints in this room is that God wrecks you. That he puts you in a place where you must confess the testimony of Jesus so that you can know the power of God is not dependent on how you feel or how gifted you are. Or even where you've been or what you've done. But so that you could see the Spirit move as he claims, as he promises. Father God, we love you. We thank you for this day and this place. Oh, God, thank you for your story, for your word. God, as we worship you today, Lord, there may be some who are watching in this room or online that need to get on their knees, God, and confess the truth that you are their sovereign and that you are their savior. And everything else has been their attempt to get to you. Lord, let them be saved by the one who can. 
Father, let us be a church that proclaims the truth of your story even before we get to ours. In Jesus' name, amen. Church, would you stand with us this morning?